My wife and I bought a home theater system. If you don't have one of these, you should get it. It's unbelievable, okay? The big, giant, widescreen TV. There's like 16 speakers, so you get the surround sound. And you get the big woofer on the ground, makes the floor shake when you listen to Jurassic Park, right? And it's got the big rack of stuff, the VCR and the DVD and the laser display and a bunch of other stuff. You don't even know what it is, but it looks fucking great. It's really shiny. Welcome to episode two of the Home Theater Forum podcast. My name is Brian Dobbs. And I'm Sam Poston. And we'd like to thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to be talking about defining home theater. I'm excited. We had good feedback from episode one, and I'm ready to look to the future here. Sam and I were chatting and trying to think about what would make a good second episode. We wanted to talk about what exactly makes a home theater, because I think we all have our own interpretation of home theater, but I think there is a common, there are common unifying elements of what we perceive as home theater. So Sam and I just want to get a chance to talk about that today. If I could, maybe I'll just start by just giving a little history. Let's go back. Let's go way back to the 1950s. Well, that's a little before my time, Brian. Come on now. (laughs) I had to pull up some notes from Wikipedia here. Um, And I'll just go ahead and read here. In the 1950s, playing home movies became popular in the United States as Kodak 8mm film projector equipment became more affordable. Projected with a small, portable movie projector onto a portable screen, often without sound, this system became the first practical home theater. They were generally used to show home movies of family travels and celebrations, but they also doubled as a means of showing commercial films or even private films. Dedicated home cinemas were called screening rooms at the time and were outfitted with 16mm or even 35mm projectors for showing commercial films. These were found almost exclusively in the homes of the very wealthy, especially those in the movie industry. Now, uh, this is definitely before my time, but I'll say two things. Number one, I have seen people online who do have legitimate film projectors in their home theater, and they have films... They're collectors, right? Yeah, they actually have film reels of movies, and they'll do screenings. I've seen this online. But as it relates to the home movie aspect of it, I don't know if, if you or your parents ever shot any old 8mm films. Sure. My grandfather had a Bell & Howell set up in the 70s, and he played a, took a lot of home video, eight, Super 8 maybe? Not, not even sure what he was watching. Right. But he did have a couple of commercial reels. I remember something with a, a, lot, you know, a cartoon lion that he would play every couple months. I do remember that like church groups used to get, you know, real motion picture movies and that's how I saw Song of the South and I've loved it ever since and we'll talk about Song of the South in a future podcast episode because <laughs> I got yeah, a lot to say about Song of the South. Oh, good, good. But, but we, won't, uh, we won't get into that right now. Right. I have... In my possession, old 8mm films from 1960s, and I was actually seeing stuff that I hadn't seen before, which was my mom and her sisters as children. 
I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this before, but it's it was like going back in time. Of course, they were without sound, but I can imagine, you know, my grandfather recording these and then playing them for the family at, at some point. I don't know if they actually had a film projector or what, but I guess that's my only experience with, with actual film. Sure. I mean, it's definitely cool. My, my uncle, I'm sure, has my grandfather set now. I haven't seen him probably 20 years, but I do remember, you know, you, you mentioned that some of them are silent. It's like being a part of the Zapruder film, right? Right. It, it, it's just like a, a sequence at a time. It, it doesn't even feel real sometimes. But then you get to see, you know, what people looked like, you know, 40 and 50 years ago. You know, today we take that for granted. Back in the day for me, for sure, it was a treat, something very special. You know, uh, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but while we're on this subject, have you heard about the new Peter Jackson? Yes, yeah, they will not grow old. I'm, I'm all in for that. Oh, I'm so glad you remember the title. What was it? World War One footage that yep. he had remastered and, yep. and smoothed out and ad- added color and added audio to it, yep. so it makes it seem like it was shot very recently? Yes, but what the computer essentially does, and this is what the computers can do now that, that old, you know, because we've seen films slow down and documentaries in the past, but they can slow it down in a sort of jerky kind of way. Yeah. It's like a step printing. But what, this, what we got computers to do is they could, they could build the frames that were in between. And they had to do it for if any speed, 10 frames a second with, with, you know, or 18. And the computer basically just builds new frames. So it, it builds it automatically. So it creates a composite between frames A and B. It yes, kind of yeah. creates a mid Okay. Yeah, and sometimes it has to create, you know... If, you're look, if you've got 10 frames a second, I mean, you've got to sort of turn 10 frames into 24, so it's doing more than just one frame. Yeah. But it still does it quite well. Uh, that, isn't that a, that's such an amazing thing to do. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Like what you just said, when you're watching stuff on film that was shot so long ago, it just doesn't look real. It's just, okay, It's there's this separation, but he's been able to make it more real. What, what was it called? They, they Will Not Grow Old? They Will Not Grow Old, yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah, it had a limited theatrical release. Uh, it was uh, it actually played locally for me on like two days. Oh. It was like a Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, oh, I'll go see that on Tuesday. And then I pulled up the old app to do it and it was already gone. I wonder, was that like, what, 90 minutes or something? I had something like that, yeah. And it may have even been like one of those Fathom events rather than an actual, yeah. you know, you know, wide release. I will most likely pick that up on Blu-ray or something. 100%. Getting back to defining home theater, I think the common unifying element that we all strive for is trying to reproduce that theatrical experience at home. Yes. When I was designing my home theater, I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? I essentially took this idea of trying to replicate this theatrical experience at home. And so when I had to make decisions about speaker placement, I said, okay, well, where are the speakers in the movie theater and and i use that as a reference and at least the front stage speakers are behind the screen so that's why i went with a perforated screen if you actually go up to the screen at the theater i don't know if you've ever done this but there are little tiny holes in the, in yeah, the movie theater screen it's like cheesecloth you can't see it from your seating position but when you go up there and, there, and then there's these tiny holes and i never knew that un, until i started getting into home theater so i know most people don't do it that way but i i guess i really just wanted to try to do it as, as best I could. Why do we do this? It's because we want something more than just a TV. Yep. Home theater itself is a hobby. 
but we put our time and effort into making our room and our equipment just so fine-tuned for the sole purpose of appreciating the art of film. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the basic fundamental of it right there. And I haven't maximized the theater experience as much as you have, but the experience of the film itself. And I think we can separate those. And I think both of them are noble causes. But the actual experience of a film, for me, is way more important than the reproduction of the theater-like environment. Right. So let's dig into that a little bit more. As far as the experience at home, what helps to achieve the experience that you're looking for in home theater to reproduce, either if it's to reproduce that theatrical experience or if it's to, to really get in the zone so that you can appreciate the art of film, I think the bigger the screen you have, the better. I think the more isolated you can have your room, the better, so you can minimize distraction. And the ability to achieve big sound, and what I mean by big sound is you really need good quality speakers, not break the bank speakers, but good quality speakers uh, that can reproduce the entire spectrum. Um, So your low lows and your high highs. So subwoofers really help in this area here. In in terms of the experience, Sam, what are you looking for? I want to say right up front so our listeners understand, neither of us are snobs about this, right? If what you can set up is a flat panel on a a bench and that's what your budget allows right now, we're all for that. The fundamental thing for me is a specific area where you intend to experience the art of film. And you're going to bring as much as your time and your money and your, you know, available resources in your home and wife acceptance factor and all of those things yeah. towards that goal, right? So we're living in times where anybody can have the theater experience at home if that's their intent. But that's not most people's intent, right? We're a little bit different, those of us that are hobbyists about this. We we want to maximize the enjoyment, uh, but we also want to make sure that we're getting things technically right, too. The home theater experience, we're always improving upon it. We're always buying new gear. We're always taking into consideration new technology, new science, recommendations, suggestions from those other people on the forum. We're definitely not snobs about this. I mean, I, I may say that I have a certain component here there. It's not to make me sound like, you know, I have the best equipment, but I do take pride in the equipment that I have. Sure. But I, I recognize there, there are shortcomings of which can be improved upon. I remember back in college, I set up, I called it a home theater, but it was really just a big rear projection television, you know, the one that you could wheel around, uh, the old school CRTs. Sure. With 5.1 surround sound using hodgepodge stereo speaker equipment and, you know, those Iowa systems, those Iowa mm-hmm. boom boxes that are so ubiquitous. But you're always evolving. It's so it's, it's okay. So what, I have the good sound, but maybe I want a better picture. So you upgrade to the HD. Some people like Sam and I, we actually have a dedicated space. We, we actually carve out a dedicated space in our houses and call that our home theater. Other people will set up, like I was at somebody's house the other day and they had a legit 5.1 system with like 
speakers mounted up on the wall, not in walls, but on walls. And they had a nice flat panel hanging up on the wall. And I was just talking to the guy and he's saying, I really like watching movies. And I could tell that just simply because he had his equipment set up for proper surround sound. And I knew that, you know, sound was important to him just because I could tell how things were set up. You know, it wasn't like an afterthought. It was, you know, he really wanted, and that's all he had is, is a family room. But I, you know, you can appreciate the effort someone goes and puts into that, even if they don't have like a, a dedicated room for that. It's it's really how you define it. Right, absolutely. It's that forethought that goes into maximizing the experience as best as your budget and time allows, for sure. I do think there is a difference between a home theater versus a media room versus an entertainment center. I think those of us who really get and understand the home theater hobby, we will say home theater. I think people like to say they have a movie watching room and they might call it a media room just because that's a little bit more acceptable in terms of it doesn't sound as wacky. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, And then there's some people who just kind of have a a big screen with some stereo speakers or maybe a sound bar. There's really nothing wrong with these, but I do think there's a distinction to be made between the home theater hobbyists and then those people who have maybe surround sound, but not such in a way that that's in your face. It's more subdued so like maybe in walls or or, or something like that for for speakers right and you can see examples of that every day on our forum and other forums like avs and those out there by the kinds of questions that people come in and ask how do i mount this panel above my fireplace smack it with a hammer how do i get wireless speakers to the back of my room because i don't want to run the damn wires all over the place you know and those kinds of things where they want that experience but they're not dedicated towards maximizing it, right? And I applaud them trying to get the best at it that they can, but it's problem solving, not enthusiasm. Home theater kind of sounds a little bit too enthusiast and some, it's a little bit too- Pretentious. Com- yeah, maybe a little too committal, right? Yes. You know, pretentious. You know, I, I, I made my room in such a way that I could minimize the distractions because when I come into my home theater, I want to turn off all the lights. I don't want any distractions. I want to watch the movie. I want to be engaged. Preferably, I'd rather not hit the pause button unless I like I absolutely have to just because that's there is no pause button at the theater, right? You go to the theater, you watch the movie, and I just want to be totally engaged with, with what I'm watching and what I'm listening to. I've taken a couple of intro to film, you know, uh, appreciation type things. And one of the things that the instructors always try to impress upon is, you know, this willing suspension of disbelief, right? So that you've got an environment where you can commit to something that is not the same as your real life, right? You're, you're trying another life on for an hour and a half or more. And to do that, you've got to remove all of those distractions. You know, a family room, you know, maybe you can do that for a short period of time, but sooner or later, you know, somebody's going to wander in and say, hey, what are you watching? Whereas if you have that dedicated area of your house, people know we're going down here to seriously enjoy something. And that, that sounds like, a, you know, an oxymoron, but it, it's really true, right? Uh, we want to have a special area of the house that, that we can set aside and, and just dig in. Right. I mean, but why do we do this? We do this because we love movies so much. We love film. And and what you were saying last time about how you reserve your home theater primarily just for watching movies. You, you'll, you'll do your 
your video games and your TV shows on like your your family room TV or, or maybe somewhere else in your house, right? Yeah, I, ha- I have both a family room that's got an Xbox hooked up to it. And I've got an office, you know, that's actually part of my bedroom where I'm spending a couple hours a night on a PC or on a, a game console with a, a nice little flat panel, you know, a little 50-incher. Um, and it's got some surround sound there, but but that's not my home theater. Yeah. And again, that sounds really pretentious, right? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big deal. I've got multiple home theater setups in my house. But that, you know, that's... That's just how I enjoy this hobby, and I'm not ashamed of that. No, you should be. I, I think surround sound, though, is, is has become so accepted now that when they're doing pre-wires for for new construction, I mean, they're you know they have a 5.1 or 7.1 option in case people want that surround sound, and they're not necessarily thinking about the technology in the same way that we are, but they know that they want to try to watch movies with that nice sound. And uh, having that 5.1 or 7.1 option, you have a legitimate, serious family room. And your family room, it has it, you, you got a sub in there, right? I do. I mean, it, it, again, it's my 1998 first day of DVD paradigm uh, middle-of-the-road setup with a couple hundred dollar subwoofer. And it's lasted me in 20 years now. Oh, yeah. Speakers won't go bad unless they physically start breaking down. I mean, I love Paradigm. I remember uh, this is going back in the day. My first job out of college was working at this place called Cinema. It was a custom home theater installation company, and they also did car audio as well. And I I was actually a technician. I went to people's houses and installed gear, you know, actually running wires in attics and the gross, dirty work, too. But I got to see all sorts of things. It, It was it was really nice. But you can you can seriously have a legitimate setup in your in your family room. And if that's all you have, but you appreciate the hobby, I mean, you can call that home theater. That, yeah. That's fine. Oh, no. No, uh, the, the vast majority of my friends and family would be more than content with what I've got in my family room as their dedicated home theater. And, and, and I am too, right? But that's where I spend, you know, an hour to decompress and watch the news and, you know, Jeopardy <laughs> and Survivor. And that's it. That that's that's all I want out of that space. But when I want to watch a movie, I want to be apart from everything. Broadcast is in surround sound now. Yeah, you, know, you can go watch the Olympics, and it's going to be in surround sound. And that's yes. it's, it's, it's incredible just to hear the commentators, then you hear the audience in the back, and, and such like that. Heck, I was even watching sixty minutes the other day, and I'm sitting there watching the main story, and then they have you know some background audio or something. It's coming out of the surround speakers, and it, it's it's that mix that's. It, it, it brings you in. So I, I think you, you really need to have uh, or you should consider having a, a surround sound, even if it's just for your family room, just simply because of how they're mixing just broadcast. But yeah, having that, that home theater, you could go down there and really, like you said, tune everything else out and just jump into some, some other world for 90 mm-hmm. minutes or two hours really be consumed by it and and that's the trick it's like you you do want to just forget about your day forget about your world and what's happening and you come down and you're in that movie you are with those characters and that's what this is all about is to try to faithfully reproduce the artistic intent of what you're watching sure and two thoughts on that i mean nobody's more happy that pre-construction these guys are you know putting in 5.1 and bigger because i did that in my house right i didn't run the wires in my house I've added to it in both rooms. I mean, I think it's great that the average person who's buying a new home or, you know, buying a home from the last 10 years can just move in and have 
surround sound on day one. I mean, that's a game changer. And it's really expanded the hobby and a million people buy into Blu-ray and you know, a little bit slower on the UHD 4Ks now. But still, the people appreciate that. We've grown from the days of, damn, these black bars, why can't I get everything out of my TV? You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's expanded. The, the tent has grown. And I'll tell you how I know that uh, surround sound's a big deal. And that's because all the commercials are in surround sound these days. And that's how they're getting your attention and tickling the backside of your brain with that. Mm-hmm. To, to, to make you stand up and say, wow, this sounds really good. And that's because it's coming from all around you. In terms of watching movies at home versus the theater, I mean, obviously the theater has very large screen oh, and big sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're also in a room with 100 other people with veto power in terms of your appreciation yes. of the of the movie. You get what I'm saying? I absolutely do, and I can jump in there. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you why I think home theater is better than the, the theater experience in many ways, because you can control everything around you. I certainly appreciate going to a blockbuster movie with a crowd that's really into it, or a scary movie with... People that would be shouting, don't open that door, and, and stuff like that. Right. I, I love going to a theater, especially the IMAXs and the Dolby Cinemas. I adore it. I'm a A-list member, and I'm going to a couple movies a week at a minimum. So despite having a, a, a kick-ass home theater, I would not give up the cinema experience for, for anything. And I really hope that you know that continues for the foreseeable future. I don't want a future where it's only home theater and home media viewing. Because I, I, I think that the, the theater experience is something that you can't replicate in your own home. Uh, as far as how I got into home theater, I, I think a lot of us just appreciate story and the artistry of movies. I'm certainly a, a, um, a frustrated storyteller. I mean, I thought I was going to get into book writing or movie writing or something like that, and it just never happened. But I can appreciate, again, just living those different lives through the artistry of movies. So uh, that, I'm, I'm all in for that for life. I agree with you that going and seeing a movie, especially a big-time blockbuster, something that's <laughs> that is that has activated the cultural zeitgeist to such a degree, it's just that a fever pitch, okay, like Avengers or something like that. And going into a packed house, and it's an awesome movie, and the crowd is going, and they're with the movie, and it's really exciting. And boy, let me tell you, my Matrix Reloaded, I will never forget that experience watching Matrix Reloaded when that came out. With the, it was it was just magical. Okay, but okay. nowadays we we have too many people with veto power. They and what yes. I mean by that is, okay, they're not turning off their cell phones. Mm-hmm. They're bringing their children to predators <laughs> okay you know i'm gonna go ahead and knock the theaters themselves because oftentimes often enough there's a problem with the presentation yes um usually sound <laughs> if it's picture it's usually gets fixed real quick but and sound is something that most people don't pick up on now I, i'm going to highlight one area in which i am a snob in that when I go to the theater, I expect it to be perfect. And I would say maybe 25, 30% of the time it's not. So I actually make notes of this. I'm, I'm going to give you a helpful hint here. If you go to a theater 
and you can tell that something isn't working, immediately go out and tell somebody, the manager, the guy at the concession stand, somebody, like if you if you hear something like a speaker crackling or a speaker not even working, try to get that fixed before the movie starts, okay? Because usually you can tell by the previews or maybe in the advertisements they play. But if you can't tell and, you're, and the movie starts and then you experience a problem, wait a few minutes, okay, and just to make sure that it's actually a problem, see if it gets fixed or not. And if it doesn't get fixed, go out real quick, find somebody and talk to them, tell them they got a problem, they need to fix it. And if it doesn't get fixed after the movie, go back out to the supervisor if you can find one saying, hey, I've reported this problem up front. You didn't fix it. I spent the whole time distracted because your left surround speaker wasn't working. Can you please give me free tickets? And oftentimes they will. I've gotten so many free, free tickets doing that because they just haven't fixed their stuff. Yeah, and, and, and I can appreciate that. I, I got to say, uh, and maybe I am a bit of a snob here, but generally if I'm going to go to the movie theater, it's going to be to IMAX or to Dolby Cinema these days. And the really nice thing is that IMAX and Dolby are really invested in making sure that their films are presented as best as can possibly be. So the theaters that I'm going to that have those formats are generally well run. If there's going to be a problem, it's going to be with people and not technology. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Last time I was at IMAX was years ago, and I actually went to like into DC to like the, the Smithsonian IMAX theaters. But you're probably talking about uh, the IMAX digital like yes, multiplex, yeah, the, right? The IMAX, if that's what you want to call yeah. it. I, I don't. Again, I I don't get too bogged down in this stuff that drives some people nuts. It's digital projection. They're not going to bring the films back. It's just too expensive. And it looks great. It's a 60-foot-tall screen. What do you want? I can appreciate what IMAX is doing with their multiplexes or, or the Dolby cinemas, right? And, and maybe I just need to start going to those because my local Bowtie Theater, just like I said, 25, 30% of the time, there's a problem. Most of the time, unfortunately, the, the staff there doesn't really know what to do to fix it. So I, I made a contact like at regional I'm like, so every time I have a problem, I just report it. I report it to the staff there, but I also report it to regional. And sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, there was a problem. You know, thanks for letting us know. Sorry about all that. And I'm like, of course there was a problem. The Dolby countdown that happens at the beginning sometimes, yes. the seven point, all the all around you. Yeah. That is a very easy way for you to determine if the speakers are working. Oh, I remember, absolutely. Yeah. I remember going and see, in fact, I have my chart right here. What was it? Hobbit. Um, both of the rear speakers were off. Mm. And I knew this because all I heard was... Yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm missing a word. <laughs> okay. So well, I guess my point is this. You have a home theater at home. You could just forget it. You're in control. Right. You're in control. You, you, you've set everything up. And it's, it's it's not going to stop working. You hook a wire up, it's just not going to stop working, okay, unless a freak of nature happens. But you've hooked everything up. You're in control of the environment. I have two young children. I unfortunately don't get to go out to the theater that much. In fact, I've only been out three times this year. I saw Black Panther, Infinity War, and something else. And then I'm only noticing a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then uh, last year I only made it out once, and that was to go see My Little Pony because I have a daughter who's six now. Right. At this point in my life, my home theater quite often 
is where I'm first screening films. I'm right. I'm, I'm getting caught up later with Blu-ray and 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 UHD. I agree with you. Like in a perfect world, it'd be great to go to the theater on a Sunday morning when there's nobody there, just you and maybe a few other people. Okay, but like no kids, no cell phones. You watch from the big screen, the sound's all perfect and it's great. But if you can't do that, the next best thing, trying to do that at home. Have you ever watched a movie first at home? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then seen it in the theater or just in general? Just in general, just like having your first screening of a highly anticipated Oh, yeah, yeah, most of the time, especially before I got onto the A-list. Now, I'm catching a lot more first-run movies now with A-list than I was previously. I specifically seek out stuff I haven't seen in the theaters to watch at home. I'm going to go berserk on Black Friday and just catch up on all these movies that came out this year just and just load up and then come home and for the next, I guess, throughout the winter season, just, you know, one after another, just catch up on all, all of them. And it's going to be great. I'm, I'm going to love it. Yeah, for me, it's double dipping. And that, that takes a little bit of the enjoyment out of home theater, I guess. Again, I'm getting absolutely stellar showings at, at my local Cineplex, so I, mm-hmm. I can't complain too much. But I can't tell you how many times I, I'm sitting there at home saying, this is better than the theater experience. <laughs> and, there you go. And, and, yeah. and for sure, that my friends and family that aren't seeing things in, in IMAX and Dolby are like, holy cow, why are we even going to the movies anymore? I don't know that that's a good thing or not, but but that's the reaction I'm seeing. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that's because of your sound? Yes, 100%. Dolby Atmos is the best thing to ever happen to this hobby. I am I am so amazingly enthused about Atmos that if I could buy just stock in Atmos, I would do that. <laughs> you can buy Dolby stock. I think I've, yeah. I've done that before. <laughs> If you want to, if you want to make a mint, do exactly the opposite of what I do in the stock market. But <laughs> how about your subwoofers? Do you turn them up a little bit more than they than they would at the theater? I use the Dolby, the uh, the Denon Odyssey, and uh-huh. it, it, it's it's locked in at what what it thinks it should be. If I have friends and family over that ask me to turn it down, I certainly will. Again, we talked about the difference in how you have your receiver set and how I have mine and my, mine is locked to 72.5 for every movie in my house and they all sound spectacular I have things heavily weighted towards towards the subs I actually have all of my main channels left right center uh, and all the surrounds turned down just a few DB and I keep my uh, subs at zero so that it's weighted more heavily towards those lower frequencies just because I really like feeling the movie. It yes. really gets you into it. I mean, that's what that's what really makes things scary. You know what right. I mean? Well, Turn you, it up. you have about five times as many subwoofers as most people do, including <laughs> me. So, <laughs> And I want more, too. Yes. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, 4K UHD TVs are fantastic looking, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think the sound really uh, makes it more of a thrilling experience. Yeah, I think it brings your whole body into it, whereas just your head spaces into it with the with the 4K. Let's go back to our history a little bit here. The development of multi-channel audio systems and later LaserDisc in the 1980s created a new paradigm for home video, as it enabled movie enthusiasts to add better sound and images to their setup. In the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s, a typical home cinema in the United States would have a LaserDisc or VHS player playing a movie, with the signal fed to a large rear projection television set. Some people used expensive front projectors 
in a darkened viewing room. During the 1990s, watching movies on VHS at home became a popular leisure activity. Beginning in the late 1990s and continuing throughout much of the 2000s, home theater technology progressed with the development of the DVD video format, Dolby Digital, 5.1 channel audio speaker systems, and high-definition television, which initially included bulky, heavy cathode ray tube HDTVs and flat-screen TVs. Sam, let me ask you this. Do you ever remember seeing a widescreen CRT? Yeah, in fact, uh, that's one. when I joined Home Theater Forum, a bunch of us had jumped on the RCA 34-inch, which was one of the first, uh, you know, home consumer TVs that you could get that supported anamorphic in, in a true widescreen. So if you were watching broadcast TV, you're watching it in 4.3. But if you popped in a movie, boy, you, you were filling that screen. And that, that's part of the reason why I, I separate movies out is because I had that early experience. Do you remember seeing the 4x3 HD TVs? No. They actually no, sold those, dude. <laughs> that was a thing for like a month. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually saw one in person, too. I'm like, wow. Wow, that's a, that, that's a, a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I try not to be a snob about this, but I, I would have been right there with you shaking my head that somebody bought that. And again, yeah. I, I've dealt with my fair share of people that start the conversation with, I hate these damn black bars. And then I say, you know, wait a minute, let's let's talk about it. And then they understand, you know. So you got into this with Desperado, right? Yeah, yeah. Day, day one, New York and New Jersey were like an early launch market for DVD. So I went up and down the state of New Jersey trying to find vendors that were supporting it. And I found a couple. One of them gave me a demo of Desperado, Guitar Fighter Showdown. And I've been at the vanguard of the hobby since then. But year, what, what year was that? I want to say it was like... 97, 98? Was it that late? Was it that late? Maybe. 90, yeah, somewhere in there. I don't know. I could go back and look. But remember, we were also dealing with DIVX at that time, too. And Yeah. Boy, man, I, I was in a number of newspaper articles saying what a junk system it was and... Are you talking about the legit DivX yes. discs? Yeah, the discs, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. Not the not the DivX codec. Correct. Yeah, okay. the one that you had to, you know, ask permission to watch your discs every time. Small. Yeah. There's a difference. It's small X and, and big X. Div, right. Div small X or Div big X, and I think right. the, the the big X was the uh, the codec. I think. Um, right. And it was Circuit <laughs> City's brainchild. For great advice about digital technology, head for Circuit City. If you're looking for a DVD player, make sure you choose one with DivX. Only DVD players with DivX play both DVD and DivX movie discs. DivX lets you watch movies at home for about what it costs to rent, but you never have to return movies or pay late fees. This RCA DVD player with DivX is only $349.99, and get any five DivX movies free after rebate. Plug into DivX at Circuit City. I was completely unaware of any of that. I only became aware of it after I started downloading movies in college using the DivX codec that they were all oh, encoded okay. with, yeah. and then learning the history behind it about where DivX came from. They just stole yeah, the name from that. It was a joke. That. Yeah, it was a joke and kind of a poke in the eye. Right. That was my big thing back in college. Of course, I don't feel, you know, it's neither here nor there now. <laughs> I, I buy all my movies now because 
It's just well, I, I mean, I, I mean, I it's so economical, right? I mean, you can. I, I I get that there are people out there that are that are pirating stuff for the uh, for economic reasons, but the convenience factor on movies these days. I mean, you can you can get top quality movies for two bucks and up. It's, you can't it's possibly so watch it all nowadays with things like Netflix and YouTube and Hulu. Yep. It's just so easy yep. to just stream things with an account you know what i mean and yeah. it's it's so not even worth the trouble to try to download things yeah. from the internet illegally anymore it's just it's too much of a hassle i mean as a college kid with nothing but you know time and the willpower yeah, yeah. to try to figure it out <laughs> but i mean I, this is what actually got me into my careers i wouldn't just download them and watch them i download them and what i try to do is you ever make vcds no you know what I'm talking I about? Think, I think so. There were like CDs that were like the version of DVDs. Is that right? Yeah, it was a precursor to the DVD. I think it was a. I think the format was popular in Japan. I think what DVD was uh, was it 720 by 480 as yes. far as right. VCDs yep. were half that resolution. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would take those DivX movies and start experimenting with encoders and, and I would actually burn VCDs so that I could go home over Christmas break and play them in the DVD player because it was so 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 that I could play it in the home theater that my dad and I had at, at gotcha. the time. Um, and I didn't really know what this was until later. And this is kind of what I got my degree in multimedia, you know, encoding mm-hmm. and understanding how digital technology works and editing and, and using software and, and doing that whole thing. So it actually kind of, right. you know, got me interested in, in what I would do for my career. But, but I mean, it would, would, we, we've seen just the technology has changed dramatically and, you know, just is so much more welcoming and available and mainstream today. I, I think that's the, the bottom line point. So it's an embarrassment of riches. And I, I get that there are people out there that are, I'll never stream movies, but yeah, for me, it's everything. It's uh, streams, downloads, discs. Send me a hard disk. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know, they, they've really improved streaming. I mean, yes. so f- for all intents and purposes, you, you know, most of the time you really can't even tell. However, if you, you know, especially if you're just watching it on TV, yeah. but if you're watching on a real big screen. Yes, you, you will see some of those artifacts and, it, and it's not going to be as good or as clean as a Blu-ray or a UHD, of course, which is why the discs are, are still the gold standard for, for quality. Sure, uh, but it's and, really close these days. And I say that, again, I'm not a snub, but I am an enthusiast. And, uh, you know, I can see the difference between a stream uh, on a, a quality home theater system. But you put Dolby Atmos and 4K on a, a stream and... Boy, it blows away just Blu-ray, you know, the full disc. So, I I will take a 4K um, Atmos stream over a Blu-ray disc. And I say that telling telling you that a DVD looks great on a 4K projector these days. Sure, you know you can see some artifacts and stuff like that. But man, they really over-engineered that format. It it still holds up. Are today. you are you saying that you can actually stream in 4K with Dolby Atmos? Yeah, sure. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, you don't have an Apple TV? You got to get an Apple TV for no, Christmas. No, no, man. I'm, uh, I'm not quite up to date on all the latest uh, tech. Um, that's impressive, though. I didn't know they were streaming in Atmos. I, the, the last I heard, they were doing Dolby Digital Plus. 
No, no. I mean, it, it is a lossy version, right? I mean, you're not getting the, the Dolby True HD stream. It, it's a, it, it's wrapped around Dolby Digital, uh, but it still has, you know, the, the full overhead in code. I mean, that's the beauty of the Atmos format, right? That it's not tied to individual speakers. It sounds in space, and as many speakers as you have, it'll take advantage of it. Uh, okay, all right. So it's it's kind of like a lossy Atmos version. It, it is, but trust me, in, in, unless you're a true enthusiast, um, you're going to fool 98% of the people. They'll think it's on a disc. Yeah, I, I agree. but And I also agree that you can pop a DVD into an Xbox or a, a Blu-ray player right now and, and project it. And unless it's one of those early non-anamorphic yeah. flipper, <laughs> flipper we still discs. We have those, do we? <laughs> I think I might have one or two. But yeah. um Unless it's one of those, it'll still look pretty good. Yeah. So you don't have you don't have a uh, a streaming library at all to speak of. No, I I, I had a Netflix account years mm-hmm. ago. I actually did the the home delivery the the DVD because their movie selection was much better, and that's right. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't really too interested in all the schlock that they have on there. Of course, I know they have a lot. You know, they weren't doing original programming back when I was doing it. Let's just put it that way. My wife and I have talked about signing up for an account. It's just a matter of time. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, and Apple's going to have their own streaming service. I mean, there's just too many different services right now. <laughs> we, we saw the the, blo- the kerfuffle on the, the forum this week about Criterion going away and then suddenly coming back with their own streaming service. But they, they look damn good, man. And, uh, again, unless you're a real snob about this stuff, it's – it's magical. So Netflix is doing original programming. They're, they're producing a lot of original TV shows, but they're also producing original movies. Um, right. Recently, one that comes to mind is that one with Will Smith, I think Joel Edgerton, called Bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched that. I never got to see it. How was it? Um, not great, but it's a fun experience. If you go in it, you know, not expecting a lot, it's a, it's a fun little fantasy movie if you, you know. It's cops versus orcs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the it sounds a little, dumb, but it it, a little wacky. stuff blows up good. Okay, yeah, blows up. Okay, explosions. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Where did you watch it? I watched it in my basement. And I will tell you that it, if you want a, a better example, uh, Netflix has a Cloverfield movie with a Dolby, uh, Dolby Atmos soundtrack. Um, the Cloverfield Conundrum, something like that. And that Atmos track kicks major ass. The movie's terrible, but the the soundtrack, especially with the, some of the space launches, is terrific. See, that's one thing that I might do it for me. That might persuade me to actually sign up again. Is because if they're now starting, and Netflix is not going to be the only one doing this. You know, yeah. HBO, Amazon, Hulu, Apple. Yeah. Apple. If they're going to be starting to produce more movies, and I think movies right. w- would actually persuade me to do it. Doing I mean, I think that would be really, really awesome to be able to preview a movie that is only available on Netflix or HBO or something in your home theater because you can't go to the theater and see it. So what's what's the how how can I watch this in the best format? And that would be the home theater. So that that would make sense to me. That would be really exciting because it's new. The only way to get it is streaming. But let's watch it in the home theater because it's a movie. Yeah, and you know, th- this kind of tangentially touches on something that I know we're going to talk about in a few minutes, 
And that's the difference between movies and TVs and video games and sports and stuff like that. And we're really in, I'm, I'm not a TV guy, but we're really in a golden age of TV production today between the HBOs and the AMCs and the Hulus and whatever. CBS has their own. Where you can actually treat these new TV, TV shows with, again, full Dolby Atmos and 4K like a 10-hour movie. And um, totally, I, I will I will watch a lot of that stuff in my home theater. Again, I I will watch it on a on an iPad or on a flat panel on, on the home theater. I try to keep the home theater for movies, but some of the some of the TV content so good that it's it's worth doing that. Well, Game of Thrones especially. Sure, I mean, yeah. The, the last four seasons were in Atmos. Yes. I mean, yeah, they, they don't uh, broadcast in Atmos, unfortunately, but you can get the discs that way for sure. Well, that's right. Oh, my gosh. I remember popping in, was it season four or five or something, and it was on Blu-ray, and they had the Dolby Atmos intro. <laughs> sounds so awesome yeah and i didn't know that it was an atmos so when i saw that i look over my wife was watching me i'm like honey oh my god this is gonna be an atmos are you kidding me game of thrones and atmos and again <laughs> that's awesome uh one other thing i wanted to mention before i forget here in terms of trying to reproduce the theatrical experience at home did you ever hear the audience participation track the on the sin city dvd no what's that all about I have not done it. I've been wanting to. Maybe now I should that I'm talking about. Robert Rodriguez recorded the audience at like the premiere of Sin City. Or, well, that's cool. Or, or maybe it was like at the, uh, what's the what's the Austin? Oh, South uh, by Southwest? It might be that or uh, what's the Austin theater called? Oh, uh, Alamo Drafthouse? Alamo Draft, yes, Alamo Drafthouse. It might, what, something like that. He recorded an audience watching the movie, and then he nice. included that as a separate audio track on the disc. Nice, so you so can you, feel like you're part of it. Yeah, man, I'd really like to know what that sounds like, actually, now that we're talking about this, because that's kind of one way that you can experience what it would be like in a theater, but while at home. Right, so what do you think about other media types in your theater do you do you watch any uh tv do you play any video games i do i do movies i do tv shows on disc and i will play the occasional video game my, my wife and i uh bless her heart she will actually play co-op video games with me nice We'll come down here on a Friday night, put the kids to bed, get a cocktail, come down here, and play the heck out of some Left 4 Dead. Nice. All right? Have you ever played Left 4 Dead? I have, yeah. It's just fantastic. Yeah, spooky. Oh, my God, it's so awesome. <laughs> and she loves it. She gets her 10-shot shotgun. Oh, my goodness. She's in heaven. It's great. You got the bloaters and all that. And the, the, yeah, those the scream boomers. queens. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, We've played Left 4 Dead, we've played Diablo, and of course we love our Mario Kart. I myself, I'll have a... There's a couple of games I'll play on my own. Um, I'm not up to date with things. I just bought the remake of Doom. 
came out like what, oh two, yeah it's two, fantastic two years ago i have not played it yet still wrapped yeah. up Okay. I figured I better get it because they're coming out with the second one. Yes. Yeah. Are you a big fan of Doom? I am. I I, I was uh, I was the guy, or one of the legion of guys that was downloading the shareware versions of uh, Commander Keen, oh and my then we gosh. went to uh, Doom and Quake and all that. Yeah. So shareware before it was actually available in a shrink wrap. Yeah. Yeah. So I've well, got a lot of history there. Jeez. What was it? Nineteen ninety. Three. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I remember getting the shareware copy of the first Doom back in the day, and oh my god, that was so yeah. scary, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, oh. you're like, how can how can this be so realistic? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yep. They came out with a with a Doom BFG version for PlayStation Three, yeah. where where it included Doom One, like the full version of Doom One, oh, full, nice. ver- full version yeah, yeah. of Doom Two, and Doom Three. Okay. So I bought that and I played all through it because it was just amazing. Yeah, you know, I can't do the whole nostalgia thing. I, I actually have like a an arcade game down here and I guess I'm spoiled by 4K and Atmos and stuff like that. I'll play a pinball machine or an old arcade machine for a little while, especially like the, the big main cabinets. But I don't know, man. I'm... I, I, I was going to put a lot of money into buying one of those, and I don't know if I can do it anymore. You know, in terms of defining home theater, I remember back in the day when I was in college, I was I was like uber snob, okay? Uh, <laughs> I was I was uh, you know, just this young, like, punk, right? I was like, okay, home theater <laughs> must include... Oh, you were that guy. Right. I'm, I opened up notepad i actually typed up a manifesto oh no and i sent it to my friend i'm like this this is what home theater must be (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway uh i don't know if you've noticed trends in speaker design but back in the day they used to have really wide speakers because the woofer yeah 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 you know it it would all it would all be you know the speakers woofer yeah yeah uh, or you know, a ten or twelve inch woofer would be yeah. would be placed so that it's facing you. Now what yes. they're doing is they're 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 turning it ninety degrees and sticking at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, either as as a woofer or a passive radiator. Right. But anyway, speaker design has narrowed, and what what they what they actually discovered is that if the, if your front of your speaker cabinet has a lot of surface area, this the drivers inside will actually radiate the front part of the cabinet, and the cabinet itself will, will reproduce. Vibrations. Like harmonic distortions, yeah. And it will make the sound less accurate. So what they discovered is if you narrow the speaker to get the front cabinet as narrow as possible, basically just a few centimeters wider than the driver itself, it reproduces more accurate sound. So, so but back, back in the day, all we had were these just really huge, gigantic, wide, boxy floor speakers, tower right. speakers. Sure. So I was like, and I think my dad had, two huge stereo speakers like that and had these 15 inch drivers so i was like every speaker (laughs) must have a 15 inch woofer well i'm glad to see you've matured from that (laughs) now yeah i don't know i guess i was just so possessed i think it was like right after i joined the home theater forum i joined actually was it 2001 i went online because i was curious when you joined what was it 97 i think right yeah Okay, so if it was '97, so DVD probably launched in '98 because I was right. I was posting on home theater forum in in anticipation of that. Yeah, that's awesome. You were you were one of the first, man. Well, I mean, they they went all the way back to Prodigy, but I, I wasn't on on for that. But yeah, 
we were we were <laughs> having awesome. fun back then waiting waiting for the magic to happen we certainly saw it come through in waves man i was such a punk back then but um yeah luckily i've I matured since then i don't know why i created i, I just was so enthusiastic about home theater yeah. and i think because i was at school I was just doing a lot of reading and researching and just understand, just getting involved with the home theater community, but I was still stuck in a dorm room, so I was just like really eager to start engaging with, with home theater itself. And I, one summer, winter break or something, I came home and convinced my dad to enclose a room so that we could build a home theater. And this must have been, geez, around that 2000, 2001 time period. I actually set up a, a website for that for that project. We we built subwoofers one summer, and then the next year, my dad, because he's really good with construction, just because he's a handy guy, he enclosed an outer porch and made it an interior room, and we made that into a home theater. And uh, we had nothing but a, a standard definition rear projection television, but we had big speakers, w- which was good. And at the time, what I had learned and what I what I convinced my dad of was getting the same speaker for every channel, tonally matched speakers, timbre matched speakers, if you want. Sure. So that's why if you go to like a definitive technology or any or paradigm, they'll have a matched set because it's it's it, they're they're tonally matched. Right. Because if you want tower speakers up front, but satellite speakers in the back, you you at least want to get them of the same brand, the same set, so that when you have that helicopter pan. <laughs> It sounds the same going through all, all the different speakers. So yeah, have you ever had a setup where they're not in sync? Because I haven't. I'd, I'd be interested to hear that. Oh yeah, I mean, just get going back to college, it was just like okay. I remember emailing my roommates. I'm like, okay, Joe, you bring the VCR. Mike, you bring the TV. Uh, we ran the center channel through the TV speakers. I don't know how, but miraculously. <laughs> Mike had an input, huh? Mike, yeah. You ever see that? Like the rear projection TV has a center yes. channel oh, input yeah, on that's the back right, of yeah. it. I never had a rear projector, but yeah, I do remember that. Um, so my my roommate Mike, he he brought uh, like a fifty inch rear projection television that had that option. Mm. Uh, my dad had that option on his TV at home, so I actually got to use it. To, in two separate occasions. So we used the TV speakers as the center channel. And I remember we had to actually use the TV volume f- as the center channel volume. It was because okay. it wasn't, it was, it wasn't fixed to the receiver. It was like, it was on its own. Uh, you had to set it uh, individually, but, but only for Mike's TV, not my dad. It was just this weird thing. And then I had a set of stereo speakers and someone else had a set of surround speakers. So it was like a Frankenstein's monster. It was, it was all that we had and I was proud of it. From there, you, you, you just try to improve after graduation, moving into my own place. And I just threw whatever I had into it. As long as I had 5.1, I was happy. But where it also helps is when you talk about speaker efficiency, are you familiar with this? Yes. So for those who aren't, if you have a a signal, you want to make sure that it's reproduced at the same volume for every channel. And sometimes if you have a lower efficiency rating for a speaker, then that the signal will actually be lower in volume if if the speaker is less efficient. Right. Am I describing this correctly? I think so. I, I, I'm a software engineer, not a hardware engineer, but <laughs> I, I think you've got the basics right. All I'm trying to say is if you get a less efficient surround speaker, you're going to have to go into your receiver and turn up the channel volume right. for that speaker. I mean, ideally, you really don't want to have to turn up 
any channel past zero dB because then you're introducing gain and, and possibly distortion. So if you can get the same efficiency speaker all around, and really you, you do that by buying matched sets or even better, getting the same exact speaker for every single channel. I realize that is not practical, but when you're striving for ideals, there are certain things that are important to uh, one person that are that are different for another person. Sure, and you can see that if you like go to a Dolby theater where they've got the same speaker up and down the walls. You know, the surround speakers, right? They're they're all that same big blocky wall-mounted speaker. I think they're JBLs. I'm not sure. You know, one thing that I that I noticed just in general, I'm not sure how much when the weeds we want to get on this, but. Uh, the idea of receiver versus separates. Yeah, that's probably a whole nother show, right? Because <laughs> because I, I'm battling on the forum over that right now. We've got a uh, shout out to John Rice because uh, we've been talking about that for 10 years. And that's, uh, that's not something anybody's convinced me I need yet, but never say never. Yeah, well, I mean, you can get a really good receiver. I think the advantage of going separates is is just getting a higher power a higher wattage amplifier because right. if you get, if you have a dedicated amplifier you have the, the the ability to turn things up louder without having it distort as much what ideally what you really want to have is so much amplification that you don't need all of it okay i'm not really sure if that's a good way of explaining it but i, I have an outlaw amplifier and i think it's maybe 200 watts per channel and i have a What's a Marantz preamp? And I'll, you know, we were talking about volumes last time. I'll turn mine sometimes up to zero dB reference level. And honestly, it's still not loud enough. But those are only with movies that aren't mastered at a high level. I mean, some movies like <laughs> Interstellar, like we were talking about, I right. don't need to turn that past minus 14. Right. What you really want to do, what I'd really prefer to have is a 300 watt per channel and only have to turn it up to like minus 15 or maybe minus 20 to not have to use all of the amplification because the the more you stress your amplifier, the dirtier the sound could potentially be. If you go back and look at the trip reports the Home Theater Forum had, you're, you're getting into Jeremy Kipnis territory right now where you've got a M&K monoblock set up for each channel and you know, he's got a a circle of these $16,000 monoblocks. Oh, uh, right. Like that's like the <laughs> the uh, the best most expensive home theater in yeah, the world, the, right? The $6 million home theater. It's like got the Guinness record, right? <laughs> yep, sure does. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I mean, ideally, yeah, that's the way you want to do it. What would make someone want to install a home theater? Well, if they're like myself, then they were really, really excited uh, the first time that they went to a movie theater and they saw this incredible image and story up on the big screen. You just can't get the flavor out of your your mind, and you have to eventually produce a home theater of your own. Sure, I, and I love Jeremy, and I love talking with him. He's built theaters for a lot of famous people. Oh, you've spoken with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've, you know, Facebook friends and stuff like that. But just actually going up there to visit that, I mean, you can put your own theater into perspective, right? If I had the money that Jeremy put into this, and again, it's a business, it's, it's not... He, he's not pretentious about this stuff either. But I don't know that I would spend the money the way that he did, right? So it's it's all what do right. you want out of your theater. Yeah, so. his, his. I mean, that's more kind of like an experiment, right? Like how good couldn't you possibly? Yes. It's yeah. not just. From an know. engineering perspective, yeah. Isn't he using analog? Like 
tube amplification? He, he's got all kinds of crazy stuff. He 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 does everything from uh, vinyl to you know 4K laser projectors and stuff like that. So mm. you know, good on him. I, I'm glad that there are people in the world putting stuff through tests. So I've always been more of a bang for the buck kind of guy rather than ultimate quality. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, you have it's it's a trade off. I and mean, what's what's most important to you? What makes you happy? Like, I think. Up until this point, I've just been relatively content with just having the standard 1080, not really feeling the need for UHD just yet. But like I said last time, I think I've just outgrown it, so I'm ready for UHD. And and I think that up until I got this, up until I got this, up until I made, constructed my home theater, receivers were just fine for me. Right. And that's what I started off with after I built this. I got a $250, some cheap Iowa 7.1, Black Friday special a few years ago. And I, you know, it's it's one of these things that are just like uh, 100 watts per channel, probably not tested with all channels driven or at the full spectrum frequency or whatever, just cheap. And I threw it in here and it just wasn't loud enough. And I got, what's my room size? Probably 23 by 14. It just was not loud enough. So I like, okay, I I need something with more power. And so that's what's, that's what got me into, into separates. And I actually got separates and then it still wasn't loud enough. And then what I discovered was that, you know, on the back of your preamp, you can have an RCA output versus an XLR output. I actually don't know because again, (laughs) I've never done separate. So you're going to have to tell us. Does your receiver have preamp outputs? RCA? Uh, if it if it does yeah it probably does but it definitely doesn't have XLRs if you're if you have a receiver or preamp that does have what they call preamp outputs yeah it's like the 7.1 out or whatever if right. you have the option of going XLR go XLR because it actually sends out a higher a louder signal so to gotcha. speak. I think it has something to do with the voltage. Okay. If you have the option of going XLR, go XLR, because just by doing that, it will be louder without you actually having to turn it up louder. I see. Um, so once I made that switch, I was like, oh, okay, there there we go. It, it's like a few dB louder now, which is great. I'm running 7.1.4 right now. And to do that, I had to buy Denon's top-end integrated receiver. So mm-hmm. if you want to do anything more than that, you are definitely in separates territory or outboard amplifiers and stuff like that. And, and that's not my scene either. I want it all in one controller and have the Odyssey help me figure out the balance and stuff like that. But but I get that there are people out there that want more control. So let's talk about, let's go back to IMAX because IMAX is doing some interesting things. We, we talked about the IMAX theaters. The IMAX theaters proper, say in the museums like the Smithsonian, sure. they they used to be film projectors. I think they've all switched over to digital now. Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, actually, I have a thread on the home theater forum about this whole thing, about this transition. Um, I actually made contact with one of the engineers in the DC Smithsonian. He told me all about it, uh, all about the changes that were coming. And uh, sure enough, they came. But yeah, they're projecting with laser now. They have their mm-hmm. own speaker system. I think that's sort of like an Atmos type experience. But what I want to get into now is is a couple of things with IMAX because IMAX is now actually doing what THX is doing in, in terms of giving like a seal of certification to the equipment. And I think THX, which is now owned by Razor, is doing the opposite. They're going to have their own theater big picture format. How's that? T- tell me about what do you mean? Yeah, it's going to compete with IMAX and with Dolby Cinema. 
What? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, I'll send you a link. We'll put it in the show notes. For THX, we all know that THX can certify equipment, right? So, And right. sometimes they actually certify theaters. Like Theater One yes. at Bowtie and the Annapolis Mall is THX certified for whatever that's worth. It's probably outdated at this point because it's been certified for 20 years. But uh, I'll just have a little thing here. Uh, THX certification is a true seal of quality from TVs and speaker systems to 4K HDMI cables. THX certified home entertainment products have been tested and verified to consistently provide the optimal entertainment experience. THX engineers perform over 400 tests to ensure sound and picture reproduction in the industry's top entertainment equipment is fully preserved. Only the very best products with uncompromising quality, performance, and consistency become THX certified, making your next home entertainment purchase an easy decision. Let's compare that with what IMAX is doing. IMAX is a program now, IMAX Enhanced is a new licensing and certification home entertainment program. To qualify and carry the IMAX Enhanced logo, the highest NTVs, projectors, soundbars, and AV receivers must meet stringent performance standards established by IMAX. Now, IMAX is a brand I think we can trust. They they really produce high-quality audio, visual, entertainment. THX, I'd say we can trust them as well. So it's interesting to have some competition now in in this field of certification. I don't know personally if I put too much stock into it. I mean, we've certainly seen debacles on some of the items that were THX rated back in the day. I I think there was an Evil Dead release that is a poster child for that. Uh, but yeah, I'm all for you know advancing the state of the art. However, that happens, whether it be formats or certifications or something, you know, anything like that. The other thing that IMAX is doing is they have something else called IMAX Private Theater. Have you heard about this? No, not at all. Basically, you can pay IMAX to put an IMAX theater in your home. Thanks to the shift to more movie and TV watching in the comfort of one's own home, viewers have higher and more specific demands when it comes to watching what you want, when you want. But how much is that luxury really worth? The folks at IMAX are trying to get in on the at-home customizable entertainment game and bring the IMAX experience into your home for a price. For about $400,000, you can get yourself an IMAX private theater, a system that the official website calls the world's first turnkey home entertainment system, which basically means it transforms a room in your home into your own private IMAX theater. Oh, do they have Jeremy Kipnis working on that? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) IMAX private theater is an unprecedented multimedia space made exclusively by the visionaries at IMAX for visionaries like you. At its core is the DNA of IMAX's technological innovation and theatrical expertise, an unparalleled audio and visual experience that enhances your enjoyment with sharper images, a wider, truer color spectrum, and enveloping sound with breathtaking visual effects. And I just have some specifications here, and they have different levels, like something of equivalent course, to yeah. gold, silver, bronze sort of thing. Sure. But the IMAX private theater specifications generally include dual 4K 2D 3D projectors, immersive IMAX curved screen and movable frame, proprietary IMAX sound system, I wonder what that is, quality equalizer and power amplifier, HD multimedia content server and player, which includes HD TV, Blu-ray, DVD, CD, gaming, and karaoke. Touchscreen control pad with dedicated control system. A number of seats plus three pairs of professional 3D glasses. Space requirement, 20 to 40 meters squared. So, I mean, if you have the money for it, um, sure. this is probably like uber that's, elite. Yeah, that's yeah. a rock star install. Right. And I, and I actually think it would actually look more like a miniature 
movie theater than it would an uh, an actual home theater. Right, and 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 that's what Kipnis was going for. He he actually built a theater into like a a repertory type building on his property, and I think that's amazing. But again, it's a different rarefied era than what I live in. And if any of our uh, any of our listeners that. Uh, buy into that shoot us a pm because i'll come visit we'll, we'll, we'll write it up <laughs> <laughs> another technology i wanted to highlight that started in for the theatrical experience has, has now made its way into the home experience our dbox motion code system creatively mimics movements and vibrations in a sensitive precise and intelligent manner just as within a movie, where all of the different textures and layers of voices, music, and sound effects create the soundtrack, every single movement or motion effect is programmed as a separate track, creating D-Box motion code. Yeah, you're killing me because I know that you've got the, the bass shakers at home, and I don't have anything D-Box or bass shakers or anything like that. <laughs> I, I, I am insanely jealous of it and not... I wouldn't say I'm technically inept because, again, I'm an engineer, uh, but it's just not something I've invested in yet. No, I agree. I mean, I think bass shakers probably a much easier entry point into extra sensory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, D-Box is probably something I'll never get into. It just seems like a little much. Fundamentally, it just moves your whole chair around. If you've been to the Dolby Cinema, you've experienced something like that. I don't think it's... D-Box technology, though. Yeah, basically, as I understand it, it it's it, it's like a Universal Studios, like where you chair, like the Back to the Future ride. Right. It, it moves around while you're watching in, right. in conjunction so, with what you're so, watching. So it's, it's more than just shake. It's, you know, lean and rattle and roll type thing. Yeah, it seems a bit much. I'm not sure if I'd ever really get into that. But they, they, they have disks now where you can enable that if, yeah. in case you have that technology at home. And again, if any of our listeners have that in their home, let us know because we'll come visit and check oh, it out. Oh, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to experience it once for <laughs> yes, sure. Yes, for sure. What do you think is really the next frontier? Because I think we've maxed out on resolution. I think we'll see more HDR. I'll tell you where I'm at. I I certainly want to see laser projection come down. HDRs and projection get better. And blacker blacks on projectors with with, uh, brighter brights. Yeah, I, I agree. Laser projection would be nice. My projector is certainly in need of improvement. So I, I was looking at Runco laser projectors like seven or eight years ago when they were like ten or fifteen thousand dollars. I'm not sure if the prices come down at all. But yeah, I would really like to get like a four K laser projector, black blacks. But honestly, I don't know, man. I, I think Atmos really was the right thing at the right time. Yes. Yep. I mean, I, I don't. Th- both of us, I think, just speak so highly of it. I, there's room to grow there because I think it's. Uh, what up to 24 channels i don't know if we've even heard something that takes advantage of that just the idea of putting it into objects in space not tied to speakers i mean that that makes it almost unlimited i i I think that's amazing i would really like to experience vr have you done that oh yeah i've got all the major vr headsets oh geez i should have demoed that when i was up there Um, (laughs) next time I, and this is kind of getting off track, but I'd really like to do VR. What I really want is Left for Dead in VR. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're getting there. I mean, the the 
it, it's an enthusiast format right now, right? You got to be a real, you got to be into VR and you've got to be into PC gaming to make it really something amazing. The PlayStation VR is very good for what it is and it's very accessible, but I think that that certainly has a huge room to grow. Getting back to home theater and the actual construction of a home theater, I myself did not want to distract from the movie watching experience. So my room is very basic, very plain. There's not a whole lot of visual distraction. When you turn the lights out, all you see is the screen because honestly, that's all I'm coming down here to do. I'm not coming down here to look at the room. I'm coming down here to watch the movie. But I will say I do get a really big kick out of seeing some of the magnificent home theaters that, that people design that, that look like these Italian villas or... Right. Star Trek Star uh, Trek or <laughs> Millennium Dead, Falcon yeah. or something. These, these themed home theaters. Yes. My only critique of them is that, generally speaking, most of the time their screens are too small. Yes. They have these magnificent rooms. Yes. They put uh, a 96-inch screen, right. which is not big enough. It's like yeah. you put as big a screen up on your wall. If you're making a home theater and you're spending $200,000 making right. this home theater, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you just put an 8-foot screen up there. you got to stick a bigger screen. You have the space for it. That's all right. this room is good for. Yeah, and I break those down. It's two very distinct categories, right? There are those that actually make what looks like a theater, right? They've got the velvet drapes and the the ticket boxes and the popcorn machines and you know a candy aisle and a you know yeah. uh, you know actually have fountain sodas and draft beer and stuff like that. And I think that's amazing. I think it's taken a little far for me. I I wouldn't do it, but if that's your scene, man, go for it. And then as you talked about the, the the custom installs where they've got a theme, whether it be Star Trek or Star Wars or Alien or The Walking Dead, man, I think that's amazing. And I wish I had the budget to do something like that because I, you know, again, I'm a frustrated designer, frustrated entrepreneur, frustrated storyteller, and I, I would love to have the budget and time to do that. But for the meantime, my theater looks like any other room in the house. It's got the the same color paint as most of the rest of my house does. It's got some blackout drapes. Got some really nice uh, seating to go along with the technological capabilities. But I think that's really the whole point of, of this episode is you get to decide where your budget and time go, right? And and so I put it into the technology and built around Dolby Atmos and, uh, you know, added in 4K and stuff like that. But if, if, if that's not your priority, you can make that theater whatever you want it to be. I will say, though, when you have a room that is designed and it looks magnificent, it's it's a themed home theater, I think in, in some of these cases, the hallways or, or, you know, the way you actually approach the home theater, it's it's got like maybe concession stand or maybe movie posters. The theme of the home theater is carried out in, into like the hallway leading up to the home theater. Sure. You know, and they carry that theme out it, when you actually walk down to where I'm assuming most of the time it's in a basement or something. So you go downstairs and you're approaching the home theater. Uh, sometimes it's just that anticipation oh like okay they they've kind of made it so it's 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 an actual experience like you're actually going to someplace 
like magical. And sometimes, like, haven't you seen these places where they have like a hidden door to like yeah. get into the home theater? Because it's sure. like they, they make an experience just mm-hmm. getting to the home theater, and that's really cool. Yeah, and you 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 nailed it. It's getting into that right frame of mind and the experience and the almost otherworldly, right? It's it's not your home. It's not the movie theater, but it's something in between. So imagine this. And forgive me if I sound a little outdated here, but I think we're coming to the inevitability of movies being released in the theater and on home video on the same day. Yes, I agree. That's that's certainly inevitable, and there have been you know experiments <laughs> along those lines, both good and bad. Mark Cuban was one of the guys pushing for that for a long time. I think here and there they they do that streaming on demand. I don't think they've done that with disc so much but i can just imagine if you have one of these fancy home theaters and you invite some people over you have a few cocktails you go down there oh it's, it's gonna be this like this whole big experience like hey guess what come on over this friday night because i'm streaming the new spider-man or something right, right. It, it's in theaters now and i have access to it and it, it can be a whole experience but in the privacy of, of your home theater where you have all the control in some ways it could probably be a better experience than going out to a movie on opening night with gen pop by the way i think they're gonna stick us in general population i'm wearing you my shirt like my bitch Can't you kick your fucking ass food you know i really hate what litter i would miss that communal experience but you also have to look at the economics of the things that they're just a the whole industry has been thrown upside down from from Napster on. And again, I'm not in the industry, so I don't have a lot of insight into you know, what's coming down the pipe there. But on on the forum, I had noticed that you know Ron Epstein, uh, one of the co-owners, posts when movies are available for pre-order. And it used to be that it would take you know a year or two before something came from the theater to the home. And then all of a sudden it was six months and now it's closer to four months. And they actually announced the home release before it's in the theater. Yeah. I, I don't understand that, but I guess that you know, you you the advertising costs so much that you wanna capture those eyeballs and those actions to get people to commit to buy something while it's still in the theater because they're thinking about it. Right. Strike while the iron is hot. Right, yeah. I basically listed, you know, the kind of levels of what home theaters we see, right? So you've got a, you know, a bargain basement home theater. You've got a modest budget. You've got a bang for the buck. You've got enthusiasts. You've got professional and then state of the art and then yeah. opulent. And I, I've definitely been at the the left side of that chart for the longest time. And now I'm a place in my life and I don't have kids and can afford to budget <laughs> for a nice home theater in my basement. So I'm at the enthusiast slash professional side of things. I don't think I'll ever go to the state of the art or opulent home theater. I'm, like you said, very content in what's available for me. And I, I see the marketplaces out there that the Joe Sixpack, as it were, that the person who's not an enthusiast in this can get any greater quality than they ever imagined for prices that are not inconsequential, but, but very reasonable. So I, I certainly would like to see better projection systems. I don't think projection systems have kept up with the technology advances that we see in like OLED 
and flat panels. So I, I think projectors are behind now, and I can certainly see myself upgrading this projector three years down the line when the technology is has matured. But honestly, I, I'm very, very happy where the, the state of the industry is, and I just hope it continues and we don't see economic changes and what, you know, what goes into making movies turn this around more than it already has. Because uh, movies are important, stories are important, and we're really in a golden age of getting great content. So let's see that continue. How about your collection? And we can we can oh. talk about like collections on a, extensively on a different show, yeah. but let's just touch upon this. So if it if it's got pixels, I'm all for it. I uh, have discs. I have Blu-rays, DVDs, 4K discs. I have a Netflix subscription, and I use iTunes and Vudu. So I will look for bargains anywhere. Certainly, I want my AAA content to come on a disc with the best possible Dolby Atmos True HD, but I'm more than content to watch TV shows on streams on an iPad or something like that, and I am collecting digital content, iTunes and Vudu. I have several hundred films available to me in those formats, so I'll take it all. So we can certainly talk about what it means to be a a collector. We have a very famous post on the Home Theater Forum by uh, Dr. Robert Fox. Uh, we um, sadly miss him. He's uh, gone way too soon, but he was a early member of the forum, and he had a uh, an essay on there called "Why I Own So Many Movies," mm. and uh, it it was a touchstone for me in in the hobby. I didn't collect anything as a kid, right? Except maybe Star Wars action figures. But I like the capability of having a suite of music and movies and TV shows that I can call up at any time that I own and I don't have to ask permission to watch or listen to. I mean, that I mean, that's like Star Trek territory from when I was a kid. I can't imagine just being born into that today and, and taking that for granted. <laughs> and I can't imagine what's coming down the pike because you know it's only going to get better from here. Right, because all, all we had back in the day was Blockbuster. Blockbuster video. Wow, what a difference. Well, shoot, I didn't have that. I had three channels to start with, and you had to get up off the couch to change them. And then uh, my uh, family that, got, got cable when I was like seven years old, and it was you know, mind-blowing, the, the capabilities. And then all of a sudden you realize... You know, as the famous saying goes, you got 500 channels and you don't know what to watch because there's nothing good on. Yeah, and now you can take the cream of the crop, whatever you want, and your favorites or something that you've been looking forward to checking out and pull it up at the touch of a button. Magical, man. You know, I do have to credit my dad for getting me into home theater, and he probably didn't call it back then. I think he just, you know, he was he, he was a musician and he had good stereo equipment, and back when we first started getting into it, it all the all we had in terms of surround sound was Dolby Pro Logic. I was the one who actually educated him on five point one discrete channels. Yeah. That was the thing, you know, with, with DVD, the late nineties, early two thousands. Convinced him enough to actually build the home theater because it was just, it was like a project. It was like my my thesis if I had one. <laughs> you know what gotcha. I mean? It's just like I I need to do this. And so we actually it was it was great. We we built a home theater and you know, ever since then, I had been wanting to replicate that for myself, you know, moving out of my own and such. Yeah. And finally got the chance to do that. And, it, and it's just great. 
but you have to think about like what you want the experience to be like at home and and think about because going into it when I was designing it I was like well do I want to have one of these nice magnificent home theaters that looks like an Italian villa and I decided no I don't because it would be I think the novelty would wear off very very quickly here in my suburban home you know just sure coming down and all I'm going to want to do is just come down and pop a movie and I'm not going to want to sit around here and drink wine and, and talk right. up, about my room with other people because that's realistically not going to happen. I said, okay, well, let me just stick some wall sconces on there. I did put in some foam on the walls just so mm-hmm. I could reduce some of the reflections down here. If you notice in theaters, the theaters have material on their walls. Uh, yes. I don't know what, what it is exactly, but they want to try to keep the reflections down. Yeah, it's like velour almost. Yeah, so I mean, that's one thing I really, I mean, if you can try to cover up your, your drywall, at least 20% on each wall, just so you can minimize reflections, because you want to keep that room balanced. So with your built-ins, do you have those towed in or are they flat to the room? With the built-ins? Or the, the, the speakers behind the screen. Oh yeah, you know, they are kind of towed in towards the center seating. Yeah, center that'll help position. too. Yeah, I towed them in. I actually, I actually got a laser. Oh, okay. Of course a, you did. A, la- <laughs> a laser pointer, and I set up something. My, I have two rows. The first row is chair, console, chair. Okay. Right. And the console is where I stick my drink and where I stick. My remotes mm-hmm. and it's got a couple of audio video inputs on the front of it that run back to the main, the home run, the rack where all the equipment is. The back row has three seats. One of the things I wish I could have done better was trying to have my seat in the very center of the room. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. Right. And I, that would be something I'd like to improve. Like if I were ever lucky enough to do this again. But yeah, I, I did actually set up something like a mannequin head or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know what. Nice. Right here in the center of the two chairs and I got a laser pointer and I stuck it on the top of every single speaker and I aimed it right in the center. So they would all be aimed at the exact same location. In terms of projectors, how crucial do you think that is in, in trying to set up a home theater? Well, I, I think we're in a really, really tough position right now with projectors uh, to get the high-end 4K with, you know, I would say passable HDR today. You're talking three and four grand and up. You know, you can certainly buy a 4K projector, and mine is the uh, a faux 4K as well that will do, you know, will transmit the HDR. But if you look at that, compared to a flat panel you're you're saying to yourself flat panels just trounce what the projectors are capable of doing as far as hdr today so i I think we've got two to three years before that technology is really ready for prime time but other than that i think projectors you can buy as cheap as five hundred dollars and as expensive as twenty or fifty thousand dollars so that i mean there's a there's a projector for every budget these days I just wish they were all a little bit better with the HDR. Yeah, that's true. I think that's one area where the theater still has the, the home beat is in terms of the the, the projection, the brightness, and, and the quality. Yeah, and if I have one complaint about the Dolby Cinemas is that they're basically at the mercy of the local fire ordinances and have to have the escape lights pointed at the screen, and that really kills a lot of the HDR uh. effect there. Uh, but, bummer. but other than that, yeah, they're very good. 
I just am an advocate of getting the biggest screen you possibly can. If you're going to do the home theater, get the biggest screen you possibly can. I understand not doing that for a family room. I totally get that. You have to balance aesthetics. But, you know, I just saw an advertisement for an 80-inch television. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can buy an an 85-inch flat panel today for under three grand, I'm sure. That's a that's incredible. It's, it's yeah, you're insane. not going to get the greatest HDR out of it. You're not going to get an OLED panel, but you got a freaking 85 inch panel. That's huge. Like I said, I have a, a 75 in my family room, and I if they were to offer it to me for the same price, I would surely take bigger. But 75 is huge to begin with. So bigger than that, I'm all for it. But I'm not investing anytime soon. So I guess if we were to try to wrap this up here, I guess one of the final things I wanted to touch upon was that home theater, the hobby. I don't like sugarcoating the home theater hobby. I, when you know when I talk about it with you and with people online, I can talk about the nitty gritty, the nerdy details, all the ins and outs of of the appreciation for the hobby without trying to sugarcoat things but i do realize it is a balance when you're trying to talk about all the different aspects of home theater with other people yeah if you take a look at the combining of the home theater and sound and vision magazines i think they address this in terms of trying to balance the home the interest of the home theater enthusiast with the interest of the common Joe six pack right. who likes a good set of stereo speakers or maybe the wireless earbuds. Yeah. You know. They actually had a blog post. I pulled it up. First of all, did you ever subscribe to either magazine? No, but I was a subscriber to widescreen review mm. uh, back in the day. Um, I have gotten off of all physical books and magazines since the advent of the Kindle. And I absolutely love the feel and the availability of magazines. Mm-hmm. But just the the cost for manufacturer and the, the storage and all that has just turned me off. So I get most of my news and other input from the web these days. But I consider myself a magazine fan who just doesn't subscribe to anything anymore. When I was building my theater, I subscribed to everything just so I could be up to date with the latest and greatest with all the techniques and such. I just needed as much input as I could possibly get. Reading from their blog post, the the new Sound and Vision will continue on the path of the old Sound and Vision and home theater magazines as an enthusiast magazine dedicated to the pursuit of home theater and music reproduction. We will lean towards home theater's general focus on core audio video components, HDTV, front projectors and screens, AV receivers, audio separates, multi-channel speaker systems, and source components across a wide spectrum of price points. And we will continue home theater and sound and vision's already active expansions of coverage into some new, rapidly growing ancillary audio categories, including soundbars, computer audio products, power desktop and wireless streaming speakers and high performance headphones. All this is to say, you know, they they still do have us home theater geeks in mind. Right. But they are also taking a look at these ancillary technologies as they say, soundbars, wireless earbuds, you know. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever need a pair of waterproof wireless earbud bluetooth, you know. <laughs> right. But there are people that do enjoy that and I, I I'm all for that. I I just think that, I mean, soundbars are probably something we could have a two-hour conversation on right now, too. It's it's all what you want to make out of this stuff. And I, I don't blame those magazines for going for the mass market. 
But the you know the risk is that you alienate the people that are really enthusiastic about this stuff. Ever since they merged, I, th- I think they did a, a pretty good job of of catering to both audiences. I mean, I was I was still very much interested in the magazines, and then once I finished my theater, I didn't really need to read it anymore. Right. I'll probably subscribe to it again sometime in the future. But they do have to balance it. I do understand the need for balancing, and we do have a home theater form that we can go to and which yeah. also discusses all sorts of different things and it's great to be able to geek out there so it, it is an evolution you know yeah. i think we're always improving our home theaters but yeah. it, it's really getting back to wh- why do we do this we don't do it because we have the, i don't talk about my technology i just talk about it in a way that explains how well i can effectively reproduce that theatrical experience at home sure so we can we can appreciate the art of film yeah man and sometimes tv and sometimes video games and sometimes music too (laughs) oh definitely i i've been doing some listening sessions down in here i actually wanted to have a separate listening room which just wasn't feasible but we can get into listening sessions on another another episode sure well this is fun man yeah so is there anything else you wanted to add sam like I said, we, we started with this definition of the, the specific area for intended for an experience, but add on top of that the intent, right? Your intent is to set up this space rather than just something that's cobbled together. And then on top of that is your signature style, right? Do you add themes, toys, artwork, right? I've got a Simpsons piece of original art. I've got some computer stuff down there. Up in my family room, I've got all kinds of Funko Pops and really geek out up there. But again, you said those uh, there are people that will make it look like Italian opulence or you know <laughs> sci-fi or something. So I- I'm all for that and can appreciate that even if it's not my style. Yeah, we might have to get into like accessories, things outside of just the movie collection. You know, it's even stuff like movie posters because sometimes sure. it can just be as simple as hanging a couple movie framed movie posters that yep. kind of give you that feel of movie theater lobby. Right? Yes. Was Legolas here last time you came? Oh, you have like a stand-up, right? I have a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Six-foot-tall Legolas. <laughs> That's awesome, man. See, I, 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 I don't like having mass market artwork. I guess that sounds very snobbish. But if I'm going to pay for art, I like to have originals. Yeah. So I've got a just a few selections of things that you know were were, were originals. So, right. I, I or at least signed. But I, again, in the basement, in the home theater, in the family room, it's all about mass market Funko Pops and stuff like that. Right. Right. So I mean, I, I can appreciate all of that. Yeah, I remember being there. You got a lot of cool uh, knickknacks and, and gadgets. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah bunch of junk but yeah <laughs> it, it makes me happy it looked really fun man it looked like a really yeah. cool place to hang out dude it is it my is. family room's got a bunch of toys in there all over yeah. the floor and marker all yeah. over the carpet it's ridiculous yeah, but again it's trade-offs <laughs> you, you got the whole big family deal so uh, big big thanks to the uh, members of home theater forum who gave terrific feedback and encouragement on episode one and a super huge shout out to the owners uh, especially ron epstein dave upton and uh, adam gregorich who have been very very supportive of this We've, we very much appreciate it yes thank you guys it's it's been wonderful working with you and getting this up sam and i really appreciate it and uh we have many more ideas for shows to come and uh we appreciate your patience as, as we record these and, and and edit these together uh we, we we really like to do a good job and put together notes 
and edit things so it's so it's fun to listen to so yep. uh thank you very much sam it's been a pleasure and thank uh, you brian yeah you're welcome sir and we will catch up with you guys later see you next time It was only four hours because the guy was installing for four. So I had it for four hours officially, okay? Put the kids to bed. Get a copy of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis Hopper hopped up on Coke and 16 speaker stereo surround. That's great. I go to put the tape in. Cling, 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 cling. Won't go in. Cling, cling, cling. Won't go in. Reach inside the VCR. You know what's inside the VCR? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Smucker's strawberry. I tasted it. Now, I would like to believe that I don't have retards in my family bloodline. I'm hoping it wasn't as stupid as I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. It goes in here now. I'm, I'm hoping it was more thoughtful. Hey, maybe if I put this in here, I can watch the peanut butter and jelly movie. And you can really hear the crunchy parts. So, I wake them all up and I have a little people's court session down in my TV room at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm your host, Ed Koch. Exhibit A, the sandwich. Exhibit B, the VCR. Does anybody have an explanation as to how this could have happened? You know what I get? I get a sea full of dumbfounded faces. <laughs> my oldest one, my son Jack, steps forward. Dad, um, maybe... The sandwich was flying around the house. It was flying around the house, and central headquarters called them and told them to dock here in the VCR. They docked. No, they didn't. Food does not dock. Pull up your pants. I look over in the corner. The dog is eating the peanut butter sandwich and it's stuck to the roof of his mouth. These are the people I live with. What happened? <laughs>